All right. Hi, I'm Bridget. I'm a person in recovery. Um, and I consider myself a member of Tusnua and a bunch of other groups. Um, <laughs> so, uh, yeah, thanks, Lisa, Louisa, for asking me to speak. Um, I, you know, I came into recovery in November of 2019. And, um, you know, technically, I haven't had alcohol since um, early December of 2019, but I began the journey on November 1st. So that kind of has more significance for me. Um, and let's see, I um, grew up in uh, the Midwest in uh, an Irish Catholic family and went to Catholic school and all that fun stuff. Um, and yeah, I don't know. I had, it was, it was okay. In a lot of ways I had what I needed growing up. Um, and my grandmother was kind of my sole caretaker, but I also, there was also chaos. There was also kind of the feeling of not fitting in um, and being kind of an outsider, especially at school. Like uh, there definitely was that feeling there. And um, at home it was chaotic because, you know, when I was, I don't know, until I was about like six years old, things were fine, but kind of um, my parents divorced when I was about two. I don't really have any memory of them being together anyway, but they all lived with my grandmother and I, I have to imagine there was probably some chaos then too, but I just don't remember. But, um, but yeah, like when my, when I was six, my mom got diagnosed with cancer and so the next two years were kind of, a, everything was sort of revolving around her care and my grandmother's attention, especially. And my, at that time, my cousin, my older cousin moved in with us because um, she'd been having some trouble with at home, I guess. So she kind of moved in and she kind of became like a, a figure in my life too, an adult caretaker type person. Um, so anyway, um, yeah. So what happened was like my mom got progressively more ill and um, did eventually pass away. And, um, you know, meanwhile, my my cousin who moved in, her mother, who had had cancer about 10 years before, um, got it again. And um, it's genetic. I don't have the gene mutation, but um, I do have an elevated risk, but I don't have that elevated of a risk. But um thank goodness. But, uh, so then my aunt ended up passing away a, a year after my mom. And so, you know, it was just like, okay, uh, my family members are dropping like flies. The sky is falling, <laughs> you know? So that kind of became a theme in my life. And that's been a theme for a long time. You know, um, it's hard to break out of that fear, the constant kind of anxiety and fear that that brings. Um, you know, but I'm starting to unravel it um, with the help of a therapist as well as um, support from my recovery friends. Um, but yeah, so, um, and, you know, it was, that was strange. Um, and my grandmother did a good job. She did as best she could, but there are moments 
that I look back and it's really hard for me because like I'm working on step work right now with this book called a gentle path through the 12 steps. And there's this thing called an abuse checklist. And I, I do not consider myself someone who was abused in like capital a abused, but, um, but they consider it neglect and not having your needs met. Sorry, not enough coffee. Um, they consider that abuse, you know, and I really have a hard time with saying it that, you know, I I just don't really think that's, I think that's a strong word, but, but yeah, there was some neglect happening and it wasn't for any diabolical reason. It was just that I wasn't, I guess, I think my grandmother just kind of checked out (laughs) she'd already had eight kids and she was raising me, you know, but she was a very thoughtful, wonderful person. Um, you know, I had to, there were a couple of times where my aunts actually stepped in, um, for certain things. Um, because I, I also just didn't have much of a voice. Like I didn't really speak up, you know, I still have that problem when there's people who are more extroverted around, I just kind of close off and go into my shell a little bit. Yeah. So anyway, so that in combination with kind of my school life which was what in those days you call teasing today you would call bullying you know it (laughs) kind of did a number on any kind of confidence or self-esteem I might have had um and I'm not saying that to have like a big pity party but I'm just saying that's kind of where my head is at that's where my head was at when I came into recovery um and so you know this the you know, things with my family. I had another aunt who ended up dying about uh, three or four years after my aunt, my first aunt died of cancer. So, you know, (laughs) it was just like, okay, (laughs) that's, that's going to be me someday. You know, I'm not going to live past 40. You know, that's just kind of what I believed for a long time. Those were my core values. Um, I'm not going to believe, not going to live past 40. I'm not, you know, I don't know. It, it just kind of messed me up a lot. And so I, be- I became a germaphobe at a very young age. I um, definitely had like OCD and my grandmother kind of indulged me. She, um, you know, I would only eat off certain plates and silverware. So she would give that to me. And, um, you know, finally, by the time I was uh, early, well, 1920, I had started dabbling in having an eating disorder. And um, I had friends who confronted me about it. And the way they found out about it was kind of shady. <laughs> so that kind of made me not trust them. But um, I stopped doing it because I didn't want to lose my friends. But what happened was OCD, like to the 10th power. It was, it was bad. It was to the point where like, I couldn't function at work very well. And, um, I did actually go to a psychiatrist and, um, yeah, I, they gave me a prescription. I took it for about a week. I didn't like the side effects. It made me very, like I had to drink a ton of water. Like it was, I was constantly dehydrated. 
or just dry mouth. And also it said you couldn't drink while taking it or you really shouldn't. It was an, an SSRI. And I decided, well, I'm in my early 20s. I kind of don't really want to not drink. I'm in college. Like, I, I just kind of want to, like, do what you do. <laughs> so I stopped taking it. I also, um, I have to say, my mom had been on lithium and it saved her life. It, it made her a functional person. So I understand the value of medicine. But for me, I'd always been sort of biased against it because I could see that people, especially in my generation, were being given Ritalin and Prozac, just like freaking candy. And I was like, okay, that's that seems irresponsible and I'm not going to be a part of that. And, um, but yeah, I, I can definitely see that it's important for some people to get past things or to just to have like a more normal life. Um, but I'll get, I'll get back to that later, but basically, yeah, I just, I decided to drink and I had, my first drink was when I was like probably six. I drank like wine cooler with my cousin. We thought it, we, she thought it was soda. It was in a two liter bottle, a really big like bottle where you would usually you associate that with like Coca-Cola or something like that. But I knew it wasn't, I knew it wasn't soda. I knew <laughs> that it was what it was because my mom would always drink that, not excessive amounts of it, but she would have a bottle of that around all the time. So I knew what it was. We got a buzz. It was fun. Um, we were also allowed to have like wine spritzers and stuff on at like um holiday dinners and stuff like that and the first time I got drunk was like I think or yeah drunk was 16 I'd had a couple glasses of wine at my cousin's house she had me over for dinner she gave me one glass I got myself another glass um and um yeah so Anyway, but I didn't only got drunk a couple times because I didn't really have access and I was kind of nerdy in high school. So um, also, interestingly, I was anti-drug <laughs> in high school, like super anti-drug. I was always like annoyed with people who I assumed were like on LSD or marijuana or whatever. Like my friends and I were all like kind of straight edge, but I drank sometimes. Anyway, blah, blah, blah. Um, so, yeah drinking when I finally was able to access it on my own became this thing that I would do to quiet the obsessive thoughts to not care about germophobia to just calm down you know and to loosen up about other stuff um not be so self-conscious and it it did uh serve that purpose for a long time but I mean, pretty much right away, I, I was a a drink too much puker, you know. Um, now, there were times where I would just have one drink or maybe two. There were times when I did have some um, discipline with it. But I pretty much right away started going to like wineries all the time and stuff. Um, there's actually, it's so that's so weird. I had a dream. Uh about the two wineries in my hometown last night. That's so weird. <laughs> I just remembered that. Um, anyway, so yeah. And like, uh, I guess the only person who ever was concerned was my grandmother and I had a friend who was kind of concerned. 
but my grandmother was like you go you're going out to these taverns a lot she called them taverns and um I think she'd been concerned with my mom's drinking when my mom was alive too okay there's a street cleaner going by um anyway okay sorry anyway maybe you don't hear it but it's very loud here okay sorry um yeah so she was always concerned about that my uncle my eldest uncle and my one of my aunts two of my aunts are alcoholic um well one is deceased and i and that planted a seed in me actually my my aunt who passed away my first the first aunt who passed away she was in recovery when she died and i do remember that um i don't remember much about it but it did sort of plant a seed and i've said this before but you know she was on very strong narcotics for her pain management and she was concerned that it was going to compromise her sobriety that's how serious she was about it but of course you know she was in just so much pain she had to do something and it was okay and my grandmother was a nurse, so I'm sure she reassured her that it was okay. But um, anyway, I'm just going all over the place, sorry. Um, yeah. I mean, gosh, I mean, there were so many times where my drinking was out of control. Like I said, I would drink too much and have physical consequences. Plenty of days were that were lost to hangovers more than I care to remember but I also like would act out in certain ways that doing a fourth step, step inventory I discovered I have some very unfortunate um patterns and it has to do with sort of like romance and relationship kind of stuff um but I would use alcohol as a tool to get me out of situations I don't want to be in anymore that I just couldn't deal with sober um like I <laughs> one time I just didn't have the guts to like break up with someone and I just got drunk and went over and broke up with them finally and um yeah I mean I kind of have a problem with like codependence and worrying about being rejected and abandoned and all that stuff you know but um but yeah like sometimes I would just need to make tough decisions and I couldn't really do it sober like or I would do I would act out in a way that would just blow up the situation um I did that plenty of times and I've had to like kind of clean up that wreckage several times and I'm talking about like relationships ending engagements being broken off weddings being canceled um just things that I wasn't prepared to deal with things I was not prepared to go through with I just blew up by using alcohol and I'm not advocating that but um yeah I'm glad I'm not married <laughs> but um but yeah so I guess it did sort of work but like it was so dysfunctional you know I never learned how to like kind of be honest with myself or about my feelings I never felt safe expressing them and I'm getting better at having harder conversations with people with close friends and loved ones, but I still tend to avoid um, 
and you know there's other um fellowships that are good for that kind of thing so um yeah i wish i had more war stories to tell but i just can never remember i always go blank um but i guess it's just enough to describe the feeling just of you know being out of control feeling good at first but then just trying to chase that first sip and then waking up the next day with lots of remorse anxiety so much anxiety and just physical on you know just being physically unwell physical illness <laughs> you know and um yeah it was just it was a cycle that i couldn't get out of um i did finally kind of reach a bottom in 2019 i um <clears throat> it was kind of the, my usual pattern i was feeling rejected and so i sought validation and i used alcohol to drive that <clears throat> and started to feel like alcohol was going to start damaging my work life, my friendships and my romantic life, you know, started to feel like it was really closing in on me <clears throat> and um, also affecting my, my cats. Cause this last big bender I went on or whatever you want to call it. Um, you know, I was away from my cats for over 24 hours, you know, so I was being a bad cat mom. Um, and when I had years ago, I had this, I had this dog and, you know, when I was drunk, I definitely, there was neglect there. You know, I wasn't always there for him and I did things that were careless that ultimately affected his health and not, you know, obviously I didn't mean to do that, but I was drunk and, you know, being just reckless and, I have a really hard time when I think about that because, um, you know, I really love that dog. And so I have to make a living amends to him. You know, I have to, I have to treat my animals better than that. Um, so, so yeah, I decided like I needed AA, <laughs> like I knew it was there. <laughs> I knew I probably needed it. Um, I had a friend in, whose mom back in high school took us to an open meeting. Um, she had been very active in AA. I remember when I was hanging out with her daughter in high school, she always had her gals, you know, her AA gals around and like just seemed very energetic. I, I really admired this woman. Um, I still do. I still look to her. Um, and that planted a seed, you know, and I think for many years, I'm an alcoholic was a punchline. You know, I would say, oh, I'm an alcoholic, <laughs> you know, but I pretty much knew, you know, that there was something going on there. And I, I choose to call it, I'm myself, um, a person in recovery today because, because I see it as being just like a bunch of symptoms of the same, you know, core problem of, you know, trauma and um just you know self-esteem issues and just not knowing how to deal with the world so you know the 
I would consider the eating disorder and codependence and, you know, love addiction, <laughs> so-called love addiction, um, and, um, uh, alcoholism. Um, you know, I'm sure there's other stuff not being able to deal with people. So, you know, I should probably go to Al-Anon. My, my, one of my good buddies was like, we were talking to someone who just came into recovery the other day and she was saying, I can you do it Al and I and do this and you do that. I was like, just keep it simple right now. Just stick to AA. <laughs> and I said something else. And then my friend was like, said to me, you should probably go to Al Anon. <laughs> it's true. I've been on such a like, like emotional bender lately. I've been so like angry and like cranky and I'm just so over humanity. <laughs> But, um, yeah, anyway, so yeah, anyway, so I consider myself a person in recovery though, because it's just like, to me, it's more than just the alcohol. That's only one part of it. Um, yeah. So I started going, I first, I called the hotline and found my local meeting. It was like late on a Friday night. It was, so I ended up going to this candlelight meeting, which ultimately became my home group. And, um, started just going to meetings as much as I could. It was hard to balance it with work and my boss and coworkers were my drinking buddies. So, so I started going to meetings on a Friday, Saturday night was usually the night we would go out and get drunk after work. And so I had to find a meeting like, right. I had to have an excuse to get out of there as quickly as possible. And so I found like a, a meeting at a clubhouse in Manhattan and, um, yeah, so I just tried to go to as many meetings as I could, either in the local area or New York. Um, Perry Street is one of the meetings I would get to sometimes just because it was a later one. Um, my schedule is weird, you know, like at the time our shifts were like nine hours, but it took me quite a while to go back and forth. It was, and that's what I'm dealing with right now. It's like a long day and um, it's actually feeling pretty unmanageable. So I'm taking a look at that stuff right now, work-life balance, all that fun stuff. But um, so at the time I was like, I, I can't always make a meeting after work. And I can't, I definitely am not feeling like I can make one before, but I need a meeting. You know, like I was always, a, I need a meeting every day kind of person. Um, I started to feel really crazy if I didn't get to one after a few days or whatever. So, so I actually started going on to telephone meetings, just dialing in and they're really nice. Um, you know, I really enjoyed that because you could just hear people's voices. I still find it really comforting to just listen to a meeting. Um, just really nice. And so I would like walk home from the train, listening to a, a dial in me meeting. Um, and yeah, so you know, so I got to like my 90 days on March 2nd, 2020. <laughs> and, um, you know, then a couple of weeks later, uh, we were in the Zoomiverse. So I pretty much immediately found myself like a, a meeting to go to every night. It was, it happened to be a big book study. So but it was every night it had just been formed because they felt the need to have a meeting too. And it was really good. And in the beginning, it was very good because I was thirsty for knowledge, but I definitely was not, it wasn't totally in alignment with my, my values or my beliefs or whatever you want to call them ideas. Um, 
I got kind of tired of sort of the theistic part of it. But I do really value the basic text of that. But I started to have sort of conflict with the sponsor I had at the time. And just like, yeah, finally, I kind of broke it off. And it was like, well, actually, I'd had two sponsors during this period. My first sponsor um, got really busy when the pandemic happened. I got laid off. So opposite. So I was like, I need more attention. I just I had to tell her, like, I have to kind of move forward. Um, but I liked her a lot because she was easy and 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 just um, easy to get along with and had a light touch, you know, uh, and very open minded about thing, some things that from the beginning, I've always had certain ideas about recovery. And she was very open minded about what I was talking about. Um, even the most free thinker type people haven't necessarily displayed that same open minded open mindedness. So I thought that was very impressive. Um, but I just needed more attention at, at a certain point. And uh, so I found someone else, but then it was just clear that she had a lot going on for one thing. And the other thing was the God bit. And so I, I just didn't have a sponsor for a while. And I just started like diving into secular meetings and I found the Toronto meetings and I found um, secular recovery group. And those were kind of ones that I would go to. Also, when I was doing Zoom, I was not really, I did New Jersey meetings for a while, but I was like, eh, I don't know. I want to like kind of go exploring. So I did do a New York meeting. The New York agnostics was a big one that I was into that first year. But um, I liked zooming into like other, you know, Ireland, California, Canada, all over the place. Um, I just wanted to like explore. And um, and that turned out to be a really good thing because like I met a lot of people and there's all sorts of different styles of meetings. So summer of 2020 is like when I started, I spoke for the first time on a meeting and then I started to do some service and that really kind of like um, transformed things for me. And um, then like late 2020, I think is when I first maybe hopped on to Tusnua. And um, it was like the early the next year that I, I don't know, kind of started talking to people and meeting people. And it kind of became, I guess, my home group for a while or something. I don't know. I mean, I if I said all the home groups I think I have, like, it's just ridiculous. I, I have a lot of home groups, I guess. I guess that's not a bad thing. But um, anyway, yeah, so then I um, was asked to, by Mark, to start hosting the Saturday speaker meeting. And so I did that for, I think I did it for like seven months or something like that. And let me say, six months is probably when you start to get burnt out, <laughs> if I'm going to be honest. Um, I think service is awesome, but it is also nice to like rotate out because you know it's really cool to have to be somewhere every week but then it then it becomes like oh is it, is it cool <laughs> I don't know I kind of want to sleep in or I kind of want to do something else today um but you know you figure it out once once it's like not really working out anymore but I did that for a long time and and I picked up some other service positions um you know and I'm I'm proud of the work that I've done for 
for the recovery world. And um, I think speaker meetings are probably my favorite and literature would be a close second. Um, yeah, so I guess to just briefly check in today, um, I, um, I've been, like I said, I was sort of like on an emotional bender, I guess, lately, just feeling kind of ill at ease and cranky, but, you know, I am a 44 month old, <laughs> so about three and a half years. I, so I'm just a cranky three-year-old is how I, I like to phrase it. And I think it's, I think there is a lot of growth happening and a lot of realizing like the way things are is not good enough. You know, like I need to make improvements. Like there's areas in my life that are just not what I want them to be. And some of these things have been like this for a very long time. And I've just sort of put up with it because there were other things that were more pressing. But now that the alcohol's gone and it's been gone for a long time, I'm happy to say. Well, yeah, it's I that I had a close call the other day um, where I can't I had a really rough day at work. And that was like always my number one trigger was stressful work day, someone being nasty um, and me just internalizing it. And so on my walk home one night, it was a Saturday night, too. Uh, that was always the worst. <laughs> um, yeah, it was a Saturday night. I, I thought, boy, that liquor store looks good. Boy, that champagne sounds good or Prosecco or whatever. Um, but I didn't. And I immediately logged on to a meeting that I try to log on to on Saturday nights. So, so it was fine, but it was just like a moment. Also, I remembered I had a candy bar that helped me. Although <laughs> add that to the, the recovery spider i need to recover from sugar too but um but yeah i've been alcohol free for three and a half years and so the fog has lifted in a lot of ways but there's still like emotional stuff going on and i would not say i'm always emotionally sober or whatever you want to call it emotional sobriety but um yeah and especially not lately i've just been feeling very cranky and um angry let's not be euphemistic about it I've been feeling angry lately and um frustrated and um yeah just trying to like figure out some things work work related stuff I am actively seeking new employment and um I'm still at my old job but um I don't know just I would like to do something new I've been there for many years and um, kind of know what to expect from it, but I kind, I kind of just want more in life, you know, and, you know, trying to figure out the best way to go about it. I'm also trying to like, um, chip away at my debt because I did accrue some debt over the last few years. Um, so add that to the blob too, <laughs> the recovery blob, but, um, yeah. And I'm just trying to figure out the best way to go forward. I would say, I also feel stressed out in my um, relationship from time to time. And I'm just trying to learn how to be, yeah, learn how to like be a responsible person in a relationship. That's new for me. Um, it doesn't come easily to me. 
I want to just like retreat and hide and avoid but like I've actually been able to like be honest and open about my frustrations and things and we've been able to work through that um so far um but yeah like right now I'm just having this feeling of I, I need to be more true to myself I have to start listening to that inner voice I've ignored that inner voice for so many years because it was inconvenient or unpleasant and that's really hard um it's hard to be true to yourself sometimes or for me it is um but I don't feel right when I'm not acting according to that voice or my values and I'm still learning how to like like I said, I've been feeling angry lately, but I've always been an angry person. I remember as a child, I would have outbursts and I would just get so frustrated and so angry. And I've never, I don't think anger is a bad thing, but I've just never figured out how to process it or, or whatever. Um, actually, I started reading this book called Rage Becomes Her, and it's about women's anger specifically. But um, so I'll let you know what I think when I finish reading it. I can't remember everything about it right now. Um, but yeah, I just, I want to understand it. And like I said, I am in therapy. Um, I hope to dig deeper on the like traumatic stuff and get a solution for that rather than pouring alcohol on it or putting any other kind of bandaid on it. I want to like dig down into it and figure it out or at least be at peace with it. Um, cause it's still, it still drives me a lot of those fears and everything just drive me still. Um, I feel most okay when I'm engaging with recovery friends or even just close friends who are not in recovery, when I'm being creative, um, when I'm doing service work. Those are the times that I feel the best about myself and about my life. And when I'm with my cats, um, even when they are driving me crazy. <laughs> but, um, and when I'm in nature too. Um, and, you know, eventually I do want to go exploring and um, kind of do some alternative types of therapy that are becoming very much the norm now we're in the middle of a renaissance right now but I think that's a very much outside issue so I'm going to stop there um thanks again for having me Tesnua feels like home I should definitely mention that Tesnua being a part of Tesnua really transformed my recovery it's a great group great great meetings so thank you so much for having me speak.